All right. This is a big honor for me. Uh, great friend of mine. Welcome to the podcast, Gustavo Borges. How are you doing, man? Hey, Brad. How are you? Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Great thanks. names. Great names in your podcast. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm stacking them up, man. And, uh, you know, one of the greatest in history dropped your name, uh, Alexander Popov. Uh, I asked him a question about who was his toughest competitor, and he came out straight up with Gustavo Borges. Uh, yeah, that was the first one, huh? the first name. And then he, then he threw in a, a few other ones. A few and a few others for, <laughs> for respect, you know. But, you know, like, why do you think that you were his first name that popped up, you know? I think he likes me. <laughs> he, he likes me a little bit. Not, never beat him in a major competition. I think that makes me makes him like me a little bit more. I tried though. I tried every single time. I have a, a, a recall with with, uh, with Popov. I only beat him three times in my life. Mm. One in Brazil, which was great for the Brazilian audience. Yeah. One was in Toulouse in a some meet. I, I don't even remember what it was. Yeah. And one that I beat him in Peter van der Hogenban in the Paris uh, World Cup in. 97 maybe <laughs> and that was great because you know peter beat a bunch of times not after he got good that good because he was good at 17 but um it was those three times but it was a great competitor popov is always outstanding yeah when was the first time you actually raced popov do you remember first time was the olympics 92. 92. that was the first time yeah okay. we kind of had the eye for him the year before because the him popov and Stefan, Caron, they were, they were, all three of them, they're tied for the best time going into the Olympics. If I recall, it was like 49-18. And I was fourth uh, with 49-48 that I did at Pan Am. So I knew who they are. They were. And Popov was younger like me. I was 19. Popov is, I think he's 71. So he was 20 at the time. He was going to be 20 at the Olympics. And there was the two old farts, Biondi, and, and Stefan Caron, they're like 27. Man. I was like, oh, this guy, is he going to come, you know, uh, in wheelchairs? I don't know how they're going to show up because they're so old. <laughs> 27 those days is like incredible. Yeah. And I couldn't believe they were there. I was like, oh, man, you're a legend. Man. You're like a dinosaur. You're so old. <laughs> that was funny. And I today you have, and you have a Bruno, you have those guys, you know, 29, 30. They look, oh, you know, nice tattoos and they all look good and, and fit. Yeah, yeah. Anthony Irvin winning the Olympics at 35, man. That's a big, big deal, yeah. right? He, he took a five-year break, so that helps. <laughs> yeah. But yes, uh, now, now with training this year, this time, it's, uh, it's completely different ballgame. Uh, and yeah. I think it, it helps the, the sprinters a little bit. Uh, we haven't seen that many long-distance swimmers swimming that high age, but in winning, swimming, yeah, you can see, but which is kind of weird to see because the, the long distance runners, they, they keep going 35, 36. Mm, but yeah. it seems like in the pool, maybe you know some of the guys that are going fast, you know, age 35 in, in, in the long distance event in the swimming pool, which is harder. Maybe open water, you have more. Yeah, well, it's shifted for sure. You know, obviously with the, with the way that professional swimming has evolved, you know, back in your day, you, you almost had to work, you know, to, to sustain yourself in, in a way, unless you were the elite of the elite. But if you're just below that, you had to work a full-time job just to survive. Now swimmers are making income and, and earning living, and so obviously you can last longer. And, and the, the way shift, that, yeah, hey Brad, on, on this, on the shift on the of our of our, you know, like coming from '92 to '96 was a completely different uh, professionalism going on. Mm. The Olympics in '96, and then 2000, I couldn't believe I was going to go to 2004. Mm. And if you remember, you're a little bit younger than I am. But I think you're, what year are you, 75, 76? 75, yeah. Yeah, so you're a couple of years younger, but uh, it was very hard to, to imagine swimmers besides the big studs or the big guys that are making multiple medals in, in, in Olympics, making some sort of money. Bianchi was the first one, I think, to make a million dollars. And look what he's done, uh, what he had to do to make that kind of money. So it, things changed, Gary, me, Jenny Thompson, all those guys in, two, in 2004, we're there. Daryl. Yeah. yeah. Daryl's a little bit older. Yeah. No, it's shifted for sure. It's shifted for the best. It's good. I think it's great to see older athletes and, and pushing our limits. You know, we, we don't know what – it used to be the peak, like you said. The peak was 27. Oh, you're a dinosaur. Now it's like, well, where's the peak? It could be 45. You know, you got Tom Brady. Tom Brady's still playing in the NFL at, at the age of 45. You know, so wow. it's like – it's incredible the way uh, – 
sports is going, which is great. But listen, um, I wanted to kind of relay a little story to you. Um, you, you, you had a long career and, and I had a relatively long career as well. It started in 1995, was my first Australian team. I finished in 2006. So I, I swam for 11 years. So within those 11 years, I remember a few moments, you know, that really stand out in my mind. And one of them was the first moment that I ever made the Australian team was in 1995. We came to the World Championships in, in, Brazil. Uh, in Brazil, in Rio, oh, you, right? You got your ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Yes, no, no. yes, you did. No. Tell me the event. Tell me no. the event. <laughs> no, here's, you don't remember this. See, I remember this. Okay, you beat us in the, the relay. The okay, you beat us in the relay. Okay. But the 53 yeah. was my event. That was it. So for me, the greatest, one of the greatest events, one of the greatest races in my history, okay, was finishing fourth at the World Championships, and I actually tied with Gustavo Borges. Can you believe that? I tied with you, my friend. We tied for fourth. <laughs> and it was one of the greatest swims of my life. For you, it was probably one of the worst swims in history because you're a you know, 100, 200 freestyler and, and finishing fourth in the 50 meant nothing to you. But you were, you were a superstar, man. Like, even back then, obviously, you know, in Brazil and Rio, you, when they announced your name, the crowd, I, the crowd cheered louder than anybody I've ever heard. It was wild when they announced your name. People loved you, right, in Brazil? Yeah, that was, that was a great event that you mentioned. We were ready to go. We were having Copacabana Beach. Uh, the Australian team, they had an okay meet. I mean, the, the team was fully packed. You guys had a great team, but they didn't swim as well. I mean, the, the timing, the, it's kind of like a, it was like December, I think. It was yeah. end of, like the middle of the season for you guys. I don't know. And for us, it was like a very different meet also. And we were very excited to, to do something. But uh, the, yeah, the, the 90s, uh, especially with Fernando Shatter, it was... Mm. It was a great uh, rivalry that we had, uh, and I, I, would, I would compete at the high level of the Olympics, Pan American Games, 91, 92. In 94, you mentioned the 53, I think the 94 and 95, those are the last two years that I actually swam the 50 uh, decently. I was fourth in the World Championships long course in 94. I was like, mm. I got the trains 200. Not many people uh, does that, but we can go back to that. That relates to what Popov said that I was like thinking about. I was, like, oh, what could I have done to beat this guy? Because he mentioned like, well, I don't know what happened to that big guy. That's what he said. Yeah. But, uh, and, and then after 94, 95, I, was, uh, I really shift to, to, other, to the 200 with a little more purpose. And, but that 95 was a great event. And, uh, and I think it's, uh, it was fun. It was fun. But Do I, you think I, I that remember, I, I remember the Australian was a 400 free uh second right or third second yeah yeah we got second to you you beat us and Fair then the 400 the 800 free you guys won we got third or something yeah i didn't watch that it's too far 200 i don't it's too far <laughs> you beat us in the you beat us in the four by one and, I, and it was it was amazing I, I enjoyed being beat by the brazilians and the crowd going crazy <laughs> on the beach in brazil man it was madness yeah. but listen you know do, looking back on your career you know, obviously these days it's it's very difficult to swim the fifty hundred and two hundred B competitive. Do you look back on your career and feel that you should have maybe done it differently? Maybe you should have specialized as a fifty or hundred or hundred and two hundred. You know, what do you think? Yeah, uh, that relates to the the conversation that that we did just a second ago and what Popov said. I think uh, for for too long I was focusing on all three events. But training for not very, not, not every single one of them specifically. And I'll explain that a little bit. I was training with Coach Troy, which Coach Troy was a, uh, was a coach with very hard training, you know, just very impact. And he still is today. And if you got a guy like Caleb Dressel uh, under his wing doing a few different stuff than, not, than what I did, you know, you kind of take that talent and you bring them up. But, uh, I, and I can take training. I can take the heavy training, not like a distance swimmer, but not like a sprinter. I, I fall right in the middle. And the 100, the 100 free always, was always a comfort zone for me. So in the times that I did more volume to try to improve my 200, and I did that more with uh, John than with, with Greg uh, or Benchek, I would go into a stage of too much volume and not enough speed, not enough sprint. And it never translated to either the two or the 50. But my 100 was always okay, no matter what. Uh, when I focused on the 100 and the 200, which I did a couple of times in my career, especially in 96, I had a great Olympics. You know, that's the best I could have done for those, for those times that I did. I was second in the 100, third in the 100. 
second in the 200. And my 50, I was like, I don't even remember what I did in the fifth. I think I got a B final, but, uh, but I don't know what happened. You're 96, 90, 2000, I know you were, but I was 96. 2000, yeah. 2000, <clears throat> uh, in 2004 also, right? Yeah. Uh, but in, in 96, I don't even remember what happened in the 50. I, I might, uh, it's like one of those uh, memories that, that I don't know what happened. But I think if I had focused more on the 100, definitely I would have been a better 100 swimmer. Uh, now, I, don't, I can tell you that if I was just focused on one event, if my 50 and my 200 would have been good, can go back in time. But definitely the, the type of training that I was doing was more traditional. And I think Popov did a lot of things that are very particular for his type of uh, body and his type of mindset. Fernando was the same thing for you, it was the same thing. Fernando, uh, throughout his career, changed a lot, low volume, more intensity, and he was more like, you guys that swim the 50 and then go to the 100, the 100 is too long for you, and then you mm -hmm. want to do the 50. Mm -hmm. uh, all of you guys are like that. Do the least amount of training to do an okay 100, but you want to be like, kill in the 50. Yeah. And when you do that, it's more strength, it's more uh, physical outside of the water and mm -hmm. more the, the technique has to be in a certain specific way. And, and I think I never did that. And, mm -hmm. and of course, if you ask coaches and if you ask other people, say, oh yeah, if this guy was in my hands, I would have done, you know, this, this and that. It's easy to say after the fact. But going back to what I did with John, what I did with Craig, I think we did everything we had capability capability of doing at that time with the resources, with the knowledge, with the intensity, and with the mindset that we had to do and to be our best. And that's mm. what we did. Okay, interesting. In 92, so 92, you were, tra you were training at Bowles, is that right? 92, I was, I was with John. I was with, with Ben in Michigan. I was in 92? Oh, okay. Yeah. When, when did you actually go to Michigan? I was, uh, I'm class of 95, so I was, 92 was my first year, 91, 92, so it was my first full year uh, in Michigan, and so then in 95, I graduated. So freshman year, you get second at the Olympics. Is that yeah. what happened? That's, that's not yeah. a bad freshman, man. Pretty no, good no, no, freshman. No, that was pretty <laughs> <laughs> fun. I think everybody yeah. would want one of those freshmen. Yeah, I keep, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I beat, I beat some guys in the, my freshman year in NC2As was outstanding because I was still this, you know, skinny kid. Nobody, well, the people knew who I was at a college level. I was very well recruited. And, uh, but uh, the 203, I beat Arthur Voita, Voita, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Mm -hmm. He was an Olympian medalist, I think, in the 403 in 88 or something. Mm -hmm. And he was, he was, this guy was in lane four. He's going to win this event. This is the, you know, the second day, second day, the 200. Yeah, the second day of the event. And I'm in eight, eight freshmen, you know, and mm. nobody was like, had no idea what, what the hell I was doing there. And I win from lane one and everybody looks, who's this guy winning? He's a freshman. <laughs> That's that awesome. Funny. How'd you end up getting to Michigan? Why'd you choose Michigan? If you're a sprinter, especially because John had kind of more of that middle distance, you know, uh, mentality and, and training. Why Michigan? Yeah, I never really had a sprint mentality, sprinter mentality. Uh, sprinter mentality is, is what you guys have. Is, uh, you have that. Even Popov didn't really have the sprinter mentality. He was a great sprinter. Yeah. But he, he, he did a lot of uh, yardage, a lot of distance. Oh, Fernando oh. did a little bit of yardage too. I don't know how was your training, but if you live through the 90s, you did some yardage too. Yeah. I mean, Marsh, Marsh liked some, you know, he put in the work, the meters. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, you can do so many different things. And your style of coaching is also not a big heavy on yards for, for a sprinter, which is not necessary. Mm -hmm. You figure out a way to do the, the best. But uh, when I was being recruited, uh, I had some connections with Michigan. John did an outstanding job uh, uh, recruiting. He was like this outstanding guy. He's just like one of, one of the best coaches, I, of course, I had in my life. He's such a nice guy. He's mm -hmm. conscientious of these things. He's like... Uh, He's a fatherly figure. He, he wants the best for you. And he, he knows swimming. He's like so into it. He's funny. He has all the characteristics that really uh, endorsed me going to, to Michigan. My sister had lived in Michigan a few years back with a Michigan alumni. Um, when I visit Ann Arbor and I visit Michigan, I, I had always, always this thing in my head that I, at some point in my life, I would I should live in a, in a place where it snows, where there was a cold weather. Don't ask me why, but you know, it just 
felt the right thing to do. Mm. And if you go to Michigan to freeze your butt off, it's kind of, it's, it's not for everybody. <laughs> it's cold as shit. <laughs> it was like, oh man. And I went there in October, I think it was like end of October or something like that. And it had flurries. Mm. You know, it started snowing a little bit. I was like, well, what the hell is this? Man? I had never seen snow in my life. And I saw some flurries end of October. It wasn't even in November yet. And they said, oh, it's not always like that. I said, okay, great. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> Uh, I, I, no, people told me Michigan was cold. This is not that cold, you know. <laughs> and then it's like freezing in January and February. But I had a great experience. So, so the, the feel was right. Mm. And I saw, and John, for as funny as it seems, for being such a great uh, mid-distance coach, he has so many uh, results in the 50, 100, and 200 freestyle in his career that it's amazing. He yeah. had Brent Lang right before me. So in the end of the 80s and the 90s, he was winning almost all the 50 free, not almost all the 50 frees, but he won a bunch of 50 frees yeah. with Brent and me. Yeah. I won the 100 free four years in a row. Brent, I think, won one or two. I don't, I don't even know like, all his results. But we were there. Michigan was there in the sprinting program. But he had one, two, three guys. He wouldn't have you know, eight, 12, some of the programs, you know, the programs yeah. that you come from. That. And Marsh recruited me. Yeah. Mm. Marsh and Yoav. What happened? Well, they didn't have a swimming pool back then. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're building this swimming pool. It's like, what? Uh, how big is your, what do you mean you're building? How big is your swimming pool? No, 25 yards. Really? <laughs> no, I didn't want to go to, to Albert. I didn't even know Albert. When you come to the US, you don't know anything. Back then, I didn't even know anything. Yeah, sure. So, it's kind of like, oh, Michigan is a nice place to go, great school. And then I found out it's a great academic school. A great academic school. I said, well, that sounds like an interesting thing. My mom always told me to study. So I might as well study in a good school. What did and you study? Like, what did you get your degree in? Um, majoring in economics. Oh, okay. All right. A little yeah. business. That's good. Yeah. I'm more business oriented than economics, but it's, uh, yeah. it was a good, a good experience. Yeah, sure. Now you had, you, you had some crazy teams while you were there and you had some amazing <clears throat> teammates. I was talking to Tom Dolan the other day and he was telling me about some of the, some of the people that uh, ended up suing at Michigan on his team and, and your team. And uh, I think he said there was something like six Americans qualified for the 96 Olympic team who were oh, at Michigan. And, and then there was like four or five foreign athletes on the team. So a total of 10 or 11 athletes, you know, on the 96 Olympic team who's swimming at Michigan. So talk to me about some of your teammates and what impact they had on you. Yeah, that, those, uh, John did a, such a great recruiting job uh, in, in those years prior to, to the, uh, to 95, let's go to 95 and then we go to 96 mm. because once, uh, he had great swimmers before he had Byron had, you know, name Snick was there before I got there. Eric Wonderlake. He has, he had a bunch of great swimmers, but Michigan was always like, you know, got an eight and then got a 12 and then go back to five. And then he fluctuates 20th. And then, he, you know, it's very hard to, to, to recruit in a, in a school that's very academic challenging in, weather challenging sure and i understand that people get a little freaked out and scared and and i understand complete, completely that and once john i think i helped that a little bit because he didn't have any sprinters he needed to to have a, a sprinter to build this program because you cannot win in situations without relays yeah uh, and we kind of did in 95 because we, we won one relay the, the 100 free relay and then we got like third in another one fifth in another one 12th in another one and when you see the schools that wins, they're, they're top three in every single relay. You mm. saw Cal, you saw, just look at, at your relays. Maybe the 800 free relay wasn't that good, but if it's not that good, it's, like, it's going to be fifth. Yeah. It's not going to be 12th, yeah. barely making it to the finals. Mm -hmm. But once he, he had the structure in 92, when he got me, he redshirted a couple of guys, which was Wonderlick and Namesnick. And he started getting recruits in the middle of the, of, of the pack. Uh, not just the distance guys, which he did always pretty good, and not just like maybe the, the stroke people, which he had, but he had like this mingle of, uh, of recruiting that came in in 92, 93, and 94. That was unbelievable. I mean, you got a class like Dolan's class. You had, you know, a guy that wins three events. Then you have two other guys that are like finals in the 200. Two, one of them made the Olympic team in 96, was a John Piersman. And I think we had the right mixture of experience, uh, people that knew 
there was a little more food on the ground that was like, you know, this is all we have to do. And people that are kind of like crazy, just, you know, crazy kids doing outstanding work inside the water uh, with the right mind, mindset, not, not just to do well at the, at the NC2A level, but that wanted to break world records like Dolan did. The Marcel Walter came into the team that was, you know, an outstanding swimmer. Um, and you go in and name Nick. I mean, I, I, we talked a little bit on the on the WhatsApp. I mean, that far you looked at the distance lane in Michigan. Yeah. You know those guys swimming. I, I don't know if you asked that to Dolan, but when you look to that to that specific area of the pool, and they're doing an IM set. I mean, you have the first, the second, the fifth, the eighth, the twelfth, the twentieth. Man, eight of the top ten swimmers in the world are, are, are there, and that's got to be very mentally challenging. And we had that. So we had, I think, the, the right ability to, John had the right ability to put the right people in there. And he had the, maybe the, the artistic way of organizing this in a proper manner, because it's very hard to, to coach a team uh, with so many talents, and sure. so, with so many kids. I mean, you're kids, you're 18 years old, you're 20. Yeah. You don't know what the hell is going on. Mm. You think you're invincible, you think you're great and you're just, just another way. You're great at swimming. You're great at getting your results, but it's just like another human being. And when you put all those things, you have parties, you have things, you have all these things, you have girls, you have all these things in, in people's head. And, and when you get a good coach and the good coach is the one that knows what's going on with the kids, he knows where to push, when to take, when not when to look the other way. And I don't want to see this <laughs> yeah. because I'm sure he did a couple of drive-bys on Saturday nights and wasn't happy about it. And, and we did it. And I think that was a, a good mix of things. Would you put your 1995 Michigan team up against any other, any best NCAA team in history? Um, oh, I, I would. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely. I think, um, I don't know how we'll do that, but I, I, like, I love comparisons. We, we won every single uh, freestyle event. Oh, wow. and, I, and I think it's very, very hard. I don't think you can see that in any, any other squad. Let's do some stats to see if we can do that. Of course, in the 50 and the 100, which is where I won those two events, we didn't have uh, much depth. So we had like, uh, I think I was, I was the only one scoring those two events. Maybe, maybe we had one in the B finals, but I, in the 100, but I, I doubt it. Mm. Our sprint relays were like, seventh and ninth in the 200 medley 203 so it's mm. very hard to to be competitive with berkeley in texas when you get or or auburn in with, with the sprint team that you guys had in the in the late 2000s in the mid 2000s mm. but uh but i think we, we could be pretty good we could pretty, we have so much depth we won uh six individual events with me and in dolan uh we won we, we're stacked in the 400 am 500 free 200 back. We had Royce Sharp in the 200 free, 200 back. You remember Royce? Yeah. I mean, he's, we had some outstanding, outstanding swimmers that, that made a great team. It would be a hard comparison to do with the, with the fully sprint-oriented uh, program that we see in Berkeley. We saw in, um, in Auburn in the – you guys won, what, six years in a row? Something like that. We won, we won a lot, yeah. We won a yeah. lot. But, um, and then – I remember this though. I, I remember, I remember our first championship in 1997. I was a freshman too, but we had some incredible leaders. You know, some seniors who'd been there many years, and and um, we had it. We had a great team, honestly. But I knew from the moment we walked into the pool for warm-ups on the first day, I knew I knew we were going to win the meet. You know, like our team carried ourselves differently. We we had a confidence about us. Did you feel the same thing in that 95 team when you walked onto the pool deck? You, you just knew you, you guys were going to win this thing? Oh, yeah. Uh, I think, we, we, uh, of course, you don't win before your time. You have to swim and you have to step on it. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that we're sure about is that we're, we're feeling great. You go to a Big Ten championships and Big Ten championships are always pretty challenging. We had like, I don't know, 14 people already qualified. It's just like... You don't even shave for, for something. It's, it, and it's not like today that you do like a mid-season shave that you mm. qualify yeah. in November or December. You just you swim year-round. like base-specific rest. Mm. It was like a big 30, 
36 week of training. How crazy is that? Maybe that's one of the reasons I, I pop up the 12, 12, 12 on the 36 and I was doing like 136. <laughs> Very American way. That's what they, even though they changed it these days. Yeah. Maybe Michael did the same block. He loved to do the big blocks. <laughs> but I think, yeah, we, we had a lot of confidence. We had a lot of confidence. That was, yeah. uh, we, we stepped in every single race and we're there, man. We're nailing. Everybody swim their best times. It's like, Unbelievable. Well, I didn't do my best times, but I, I, I won all three events. Yeah, yeah. What's the race that sticks out in your mind as the best race you ever had? I have a couple. Um, but the best race uh, that I've ever had, the best 100 free that I've ever had was uh, two. was in 91, the 100 free in, um, in Cuba, Pan American Games. I was 18 years old, was training with Coach Troy. Uh, had an outstanding season, just like training, you know, you don't know how, how it was back in the 90s, early 90s, you yeah. work, work hard, pays off, you know, that's how it is, and you do a lot of volume, a lot of specific training, a lot of rest, like we mentioned, and, uh, and when you start getting into the meet, I was in such good physical shape and in great mental shape that nothing was going to go wrong. I had a great 200 free two nights before, and I went 149 for the first time in my life. I, before that, I had like a 152 maybe. I dropped like two, three seconds. And then when I get to the 103, I was just so confident. And I, there was nobody to match me because the American team, I think was the B or the C team. I don't remember. Maybe the C team. And, and I knew I, I was the best one in the field. There was other, other swimmers that are still developing. I think Ricky Busquets, uh, Ricky Busquets mm -hmm. from Busquets. Puerto Rico was around. Mm -hmm. But he was, I think he's a few years younger. Than, and he was in 96 final also, but he was a little bit younger. And, uh, and once, I, once I stepped on the block, I just had the best 100. It was just so easy. So, yeah. so easy. Mm -hmm. And it was a 49-48. And that put me in, in the top of the rankings uh, that year. And the second best race, I think I'd say, it was in 96, the, also the 100 free. Even though the 200 was a great race, if I would elect the... Uh, the best 200 of my life, 96, will also be it. Mm. But that 103, 96 was such a strong field. And if you see the names that came out of there, like Peter, uh, Gary, and so on, it was just like a, a Peter was in my right side in lane two with 17 years old. And I'm like, I'm going to let this kid beat me. I mean, this, I, I didn't even think of Peter wasn't even a question. Mm. And he was fourth. 49.17. I was like, mm. wow. What the After I finished, I said, Peter, you went 49.17? Are you crazy? You're 17, man. What the <laughs> hell are you doing? Uh, I'll get you next time. I'm going to increase the distance to you next time. And then he went 47.85. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, kid. And, and so, so being in that race, the time was great. Of course, I tried to win. I decreased the distance to Popov. Popov was 48.7 something. And Gary was 40. For, sorry, 48.7, and Gary was 48.8. But it was just a, an outstanding moment. The 103 in, in Atlanta was just like, wow, uh, look at this. And I, and I had Gary, you know, I, I, I had Gary all those years. First pop-up, and then Gary showed up. And, and I looked at Gary, I was like, no way this guy's going to beat me. He's not going to beat me. I, I decided this. Enough of pop-up, and then an American guy's going to, you know, come in the middle of all this. And then 93, he comes in and he swims well in the, I think it was his first year. No, it was 94, his first year at Texas. I don't remember. But he beat me in some, some events and I was so pissed. And then, he, uh, no, 94, he beat me in World Championships. He was second and I was third. And I was like, hey, wait a second. I'm not third, I'm second. What the hell are you doing? You know, Popov beat me. That's okay. You know, it's Popov, but not you. <laughs> and then in 95, I beat him in 103 in 10 M's. And uh, in 96, I was like, man, this is going to be great. And the difference between me and Popov was less than three tenths of a second. Mm. And Gary was in the middle. So it was like a very, very tight finish. Uh, and it was a, just a great event. So I'll, I'll put this 200 freeze. It was, uh, it was pretty pretty great do you have any do you have any regrets at all in terms of 
you know, being so close to becoming Olympic champion, do you think there's anything you could have done differently that may have changed that, that, that maybe you could have been Olympic champion? I, I, I'm sure I, I could have done a lot of things differently to change. At the time, I thought I was doing it. But I don't have any regrets by being second. Uh, if I had any regrets of losing to Gary or losing to, to Alex, it would be so disrespectful to, for people that put in the work. Even Fernando, Fernando, I, I raced my whole life, uh, Fernando, and so many times I beat him, so many times he beat me. And, and when, you, when you get second, when you lose, or when you win, uh, you have to respect what the other person is doing. Uh, sometimes, yeah, you felt like you were mentally uh, prepared or strong enough for that moment, but you have to learn from that. Everybody goes a moment in, in, in our life, and that's, that's a, a great lesson for, for everything else that we do. Because if you look at the uh, stepping on the block and you look to the side and you say, well, I don't think I can beat this guy. And if you do that, if I, if I thought that I couldn't beat Popov or Gary or anybody in that field in 96, when I stood in the block, I would be eighth. I wouldn't be third. I wouldn't be in the finals. I would be like, you know, at home. I wouldn't even make the Olympic team. But when you step on the block and you know you can beat somebody, especially yourself, you can, you know, work it the way that you can for you to succeed. And, and, and success is not what you can do in relation to others. Of course, the Olympic medal or the titles that you get proves that that actually happened. But there's so many other indicators that you have that, that, can, that can take you there. And that's what people don't understand because sometimes you feel so empty being in the first place that you don't even know you got the first place. Well, are you happy? So no, I wanted the world record and I didn't. I didn't break the world record. You, got, you won. Come on, celebrate. Get the hell out of here. Mm. And I think that that difference is, is very important because if you step on the block, it's not just to beat Pop, it's to beat myself because otherwise I'll be in the B final. I'll, I'll stay in the semi. I, I wouldn't go forward. I'll stay home. Yeah. One of the things that I've noticed about you, and I've never really said this to you, but I've noticed that you're a very proud Brazilian, you know, like you, you oh, wear yeah. that, you wear that, you know, you, it's visible, you know, and, and you're very, very proud. And, and that really had an influence on me in the way that I represented Brazil a couple of times at the Olympics, because the pride that you had, I had to reflect that back. I like, look, if Gustavo swam for his country and is so proud of, to be a Brazilian, I, I need to reflect that as well. So I, I, you know, I brought your pride into myself as well. And I felt that as well. But in terms of uh, that, why, why are you so proud to be Brazilian? Just, I'm a proud person of the, of the things and grateful of the opportunities that I had. The opportunities that knocked on my door, but they don't open the door for you, you have to open. But uh, I'm Brazilian, I was born here. I could be asking more of everybody else and asking, victimizing myself for things that happened or did not happen to make more money, to make less money, to have better pools or, or pools that are warm and not cold. I, I could have, there's so many ways that I could be sad in, in, in relation to the country, for example. If I wanted to, I could be very ungrateful for everything that I had. I could, any of us can. And when you are grateful, when you, when you decide to be happy, it's a decision that you make for yourself. When you decide to be proud, I, I decided that I'm going to be proud. And that's a state of mind that, that you are and that you have, that you decide. So it depends on you. It doesn't depend on anybody else. So, and I think that's, that, that's one of the reasons. I live here my, most of my life. Uh, I lived 10 years in the U.S. And if you ask me, are you proud of the U.S.? I'm proud of the U.S. I'm proud of Australia too. I love Australia. I think, you know, it's a different relation. I never really had any, any ties to, to Australia, but, you know, I meet Australians. I meet people, uh, you know, that are happy, that, are, that work hard and do things, and, and that makes me happy. I think that's the, the same uh, relationship that you have. But when you get involved and you see people that are, are happy and proud of the things that they do and the opportunities that they have and they build the success, they build their things, you know, stone by stone, so they can achieve, so they can do, so they can move forward in life and not be looking back and say, oh, maybe if I should have trained a little different, I would have beat Gary Hall or X Popov. Oh, my life was, you know, I would have been so much happier. No way. You never do that. 
It's not what I teach my kids. Uh, I look forward. I try to do things differently, of course. I, I don't do things the same all the time. And, and I think being proud, being proud of Michigan. I'm almost doing a, a tattoo from Michigan. I saw you have a tattoo in your arm. My son goes to Michigan and he just did a, a tattoo, the M block on his mm. side. Mm. I was like, shit, sad? serious, man? You're going to do a, a tattoo? I'm kind of, you know, kind of uh, more <laughs> conservative in this sense. Yeah. <laughs> but I can do, I can do a, a tattoo on my side here. It would be great, you know, to do it. You have the war ego or something on your, on your body. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't so, do the M block. But yeah, I think, do, uh, do a matching tattoo with the sun. Well, that's the other thing I noticed about you too is, I mean, you are raising a, uh, children and you've done a great job raising them. We'll talk about your son in a minute and the choice that he made to follow in, in dad's footsteps. But, you know, you're also a person who gives back. You know, you, you've always given back to the sport. You've always given back to the country. Um, from the moment that I represented Brazil, you were there telling me anything I need and any help and any, any advice you can give. You're always supporting me. But you're always just giving back to the swimmers. And where do you think that came from in you? Family, definitely. Uh, there's one thing, Brad, that if you want to persevere, if you want to... Uh, get anywhere in life, you have to find people around you that's going to bring you forward. Call that anything that you want. You know, if you want to be positive, look for positivity. If you want to be negative, look for negativity. Hmm. So here, we're locked down. You know, maybe you're in California, you can go out, you have our things going on, everybody with our own problems. Uh, we don't really know what's going on in any people's mind, but we can do something about it. We can do a podcast, we can read, we can... Uh, do something we can persevere in other things in other areas to, to make us great and I think I learned that from my parents I think my parents were always there giving support uh, helping me make the right decisions and the younger you are the bigger impact that is and the older you are the more you can uh, relate to your own problems and say listen now it's you uh, now you now you go for it uh, make your decision now and and by that time then when that time comes, I think it's when you mature and when you are a little more of an adult to make those decisions. But there's, I think it's uh, the family values, mm. the structure we have at home and, uh, and the way that we look at things as opportunities, as, you know, doing things differently and better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You do have a son and I talked to Popoff about this as well. He has a son who was a swimmer and kind of had to, um, Vladimir, right? Vladimir, Vladimir. Was the son. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it kind of had to be in dad's shadow a little bit. You know, you have a son that's a swimmer and now he's followed in the footsteps. He's gone to Michigan where mm -hmm. dad was four time NCAA champion in a row in the hundred freestyle. And then your son's a sprinter as well. So it's like, is there a shadow that's been cast by, by dad? And, and has that been difficult? Um, well, for him at times a little more, uh, and for me at times a little more than, than for him. Uh, uh, my whole, uh, for both my kids, uh, my daughter is also going to Michigan, just so you know. Oh, okay, there we she's go. Gonna be, but she's not going to be a swimmer, but okay. she's, uh, she's going to Michigan. Okay. She got into Texas and, and Michigan, and she goes, well, what should I do, Dad? I said, I don't know. That's your choice. <laughs> <laughs> Good the weather choice. sucks. The weather sucks in Michigan. What do you think? <laughs> okay, Michigan. <laughs> but talking about my son, with both of them, the opportunity. I want them to do. If you, this uh, talking to parents now. Yeah. If you want your, if you want your, I, I really believe on this. If you want your kids to succeed in life, put them in sports. Do that, in any sports, and and try to get them as far as possible in something more organized and competitive. Is that completely necessary? I like to believe so because it gives you discipline, it gives you structure, it gives you a way to understand what's, how it is to win, how it is to be a team player, how it is to, to function your lives that depends on your results and others for you to improve and everything. And I think you achieve that around between 14 and 16. I think if you do that that long until 16, 17, a little more, it's great. You don't have to be a professional swimmer, you don't have to be a college swimmer or college player for anything. But I think that experience, you know, get that into your DNA. Mm. Because if you're active as a child, if you learn the values from sport, you're gonna carry that on. You know, it's like you, you embedded that in your, in, in your, in your veins and it, nobody's gonna take that out, nobody. If you do a good job as a parent. 
So I had that with both of them. Uh, my daughter, you could see that she, she likes swimming, but you know, very difficult. She swam until she was 16. Mm -hmm. She didn't like, she didn't want to swim. So, okay, so let's do this until 16. Um, let's try to organize. Let's see if you do it. If you don't want to do anything after that for sports, that's fine. And she went up to 16 and she quit swimming. She stopped swimming. She didn't quit. She just stopped. It was a cycle. And most of her friends are consumers, are swimmers today, even today. So she's around that environment, which is great. She works out every day and so on and so forth. Same thing with my son. Um, we had the same plan. So let, let's do this. Let's try to do this for long enough. You don't have to win. You don't have to break my records. You don't have to win Olympic medals. You don't have to go to Olympics. You don't have to do anything. Just go out there, have fun, make a lot of, a lot, lots and lots of friends and do this with, um, with excellence, your excellence, not mine, not comparing to anybody else. But you know, you go to a swim meet and I, I did that very, very often. It's not how fast you swam or if you got first, second or third, but if his turn was well, was going, was doing well. Mm -hmm. And I would actually write it down. So your turn was great. That's the best turn I've ever seen. You deserve a gold medal. Because I think depending on the kid, depending on the athlete, especially when you're younger, you know this, your coach. Uh, the strategy, you can do a strategy for a 12-year-old that's not mature, that's all flanking the water, uh, compared to somebody like Michael Phelps, who 12 was breaking all the age group records. It's yeah. two different human beings. Yeah. If you do the same thing with these two guys, one is going to break the Olympic records. The other one is not going to do anything. It's not going to do sports. It's going to hate sports. Yeah. So I protect them a lot in that sense. And, um, and with, with Gustavo, uh, Luis Gustavo, my son, uh, definitely worked because he was, uh, he was into it. It was tough at 13, 14. And then he's like, well, maybe I can get the hang of this. You know, I'm going to be tall. You stretch your arm, finish it. And, you know, kick it harder and let's, let's go. And then when you're 15, 16, and then you can say, okay, we got the pressure of the results now. Let's try to make finals. Let's try to make this. But now we're 10, 11, 12. And, uh, and he's doing great. Broke two of my records in Michigan. He's the, the fastest under freestyler on the board. Um, mm, and yeah. it's, um, it's there we awesome. Go. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Atta boy. Atta boy. Yeah, Taking boy. that off the board. That's the way to do it. And, and, and it sucks this year because they didn't have a season and he was ready to go up 41 in the 100 free, which is 42-2 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And Mike's doing a great job with him, which is, uh, which is awesome. Yeah. Fantastic coach, Mike Bottom. Uh, picked one of the best in the world. Uh, good job there. D does, I guess now he wants to be an Olympian. That, that's the next progression, right? Yeah. He was, he was on it. Yeah. He's a, I mean, he's in Brazil here. He would be fifth in the 53 and eighth in the 100. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's in the ballpark. He's 21. Yeah. He's, he's right there. He's, he's ready to go. Anything can happen to a 21-year-old. Of course, it's not going to be easy to make a, an Olympic team, but that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is go out and do it. Have fun. Step on the blocks and, and, and do your best. Do your best every single time. Pay attention to details and, and go. Yeah. Let me ask you this. You swam, you know, four Olympics in a row. You, you win silver and bronze medals um, in different events. And then four years after your retirement, we finally get a Brazilian on the top of the podium who wins gold medal, Cesar Cielo, and, and you're right there. You're on the pool deck and you're celebrating just as hard as anybody. Uh, you know, we have great memories from that moment. But what kind of impact do you think that ultimately had on Brazilian swimming? Uh, it was a great impact. I think Cesar is a, it's a great swimmer, great role model for, for kids, for other swimmers. And um, he, he did an excellent job. He does an excellent job in that sense. And I think when you have uh, results like that, impacts like that, it's, uh, it's definitely a good thing for the sport. Uh, of course, no man alone can do any transformation uh, uh, because you need the, the surroundings and the atmosphere and the structure to do that. But you can cause your impact. You can leave your mark and you can leave your... Uh, your legacy in anywhere, any, anytime you put your hands into something. And I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing in relation to, to swimming, to results, to athletes. And Cesar, uh, with that medal, has two or three Olympic medals, two just in that Olympics, he did, a, he did a great job and he does a great job. 
Yeah. Under so you, under your coaching. Well, yeah. I mean, we had uh, we had some success, man. We had a great relationship, and it was a great time of my life, no doubt about it. You know, it was it was two years after I'd retired from swimming too, so I was fresh out of swimming, and um, it was it was very real to me. It felt I felt very much part of it. I, not only did I feel part of his result, but I also felt part of the Brazilian team. Um, you know, to be honest, I, I cried the moment that he won. And I wasn't necessarily crying for me or for him. I was actually crying for Brazil because I, I saw the impact that it had on the team around me. I mean, my, my teammates, my Brazilian teammates, my coaches who'd been coaching for 20, 30, 40 years, you know, to get a result like this. I see them crying yeah. and it actually made me cry because I, I could feel the emotion of the work that they had put in for this moment. It really meant something to them. Uh, I felt I felt so much like a family and, and a bond that um, to this day it, it makes me makes me feel a certain yeah, way. And, and, and Brazilians are very emotional too, so you get that you get that atmosphere. You you, you see that you're you're into it. Yeah. You you probably have Brazilian bloods running mm. through your veins. I think so, man. I think I should get uh, Brazilian <laughs> some 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 honorary citizenship or something. You know. <laughs> Where are you from in Australia? Sydney, Melbourne. Sydney. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's Brazilians. There. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just said there you go, just for to see your reaction. <laughs> um, now listen. So, uh, what's next then? Uh, what are you up to these days? What What do you actually do daily? Uh, daily, during the coronavirus? Uh, what's oh, the, just generally, generally. What uh, you generally, doing? okay. I, I work, I have uh, health clubs here in Brazil. Mm -hmm. I have three clubs. So we run two in Curitiba, the town south, one in Sao Paulo. Um, I have uh, a method, a uh, learn to swim method that we license uh, different health clubs, schools, and so on and so forth. That's about 440 clients in Brazil, 440 locations. That have our our method, mm -hmm. our licensing method, and that that relates to many different things. Which is like we take care of the managers, we take care of the with education in process, managers, teachers, and the clients and the swimmers at the end. So we have a platform that's around two hundred thousand swimmers under our wing uh, doing our process. So the learn to swim process. Uh, besides that. Um, still speak engagements with, with, with companies, events. Uh, this day is a little more online, but still going on. And also um, commentating, which uh, I had my ticket to, to the Olympics. And there's not going to be any Olympics this year, as we all know. Mm. Who's the next um, Cesar Cielo for Brazil, you think? Who's the next potential Olympic champion that you could see maybe is, is right there, even, even maybe for next year? Is there somebody that you feel like has, has a lot of potential to maybe get on that top of the podium? I think uh, Bruno, Bruno Fratos has a, a good potential. I mean, mm. You're going to say that uh, he's, he's been there. He's been right he's been for one hundredth of a second in 2012. He was, he was fourth. To Cesar, uh, it, it's very difficult to say in, in an event like the 53 if, if uh, Caleb is the is the best swimmer in the world. Of course, we know he is. He's, yeah. he's got talent. He's got everything. But you, know, you got to be in the Olympic final, and you got to win. You got to test the wall first. Like yeah. Irving beat all those guys in, in in 16. Nobody was expecting that. Look at that! Oh my God, Irving in this. Mm -hmm. Who else was in the field? And you see, there was a pretty strong field. It wasn't. It was it wasn't like a weak field going on. There's never a weak field going into the Olympics. It's what's there right now. Whoever is there is the best there is. So I think Bruno has a chance. Uh, it would be very, uh, very hard to to be on the on the top of the podium, but he knows all the uh, he knows the work he has to put in. Um, we have a uh, Marcelo. Uh, Marcelo trained with you, Cherigini. Cherigini. Mm -hmm. He's maybe his time would put him in the fifth or sixth in the world right now, something yeah. like that. But then you have three Americans and only two will go. So it's always, a, he's been in the Olympic finals. He knows how to do that. You know, you got Kyle Chalmers from Australia. You got all these great swimmers that are all over the place. They're going to be there. Uh, Sherigini, he's 30. He's going to be 30, I think, 31. So, but age is not a matter, a factor anymore these days. If you're there, if you're ready to go, you can do it. And I don't, I don't know if next year 
any Brazilians to be uh, all our sprinters are pretty good if you take yeah. our relay it's really decent you mm -hmm. have Spajari you have Gabriel you have mm -hmm. uh, uh, Breno you have some some really strong um, sprint freestylers 100 freestylers that could be uh, uh, very 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 challenging for them mm -hmm. to be in finals in those events and uh, to get medals it's, it's hard yeah. to say the Olympic champion uh, I don't know it's uh, we'll see maybe by the results that we see today but uh, Bruno is one of the best sprinters in the world, very consistent. Uh, Kerigini has been consistent in the past couple of years, I and mean, he keeps getting better and better with age. And uh, they really could be very, uh, pretty competitive. So let's see, let's work. Do they come to you for advice? Do they come to come for you, you know, to be a mentor or anything like that? Do they reach out to you? Well, sometimes, uh, Kerigini, I have a little more relation. I see him uh, a little more often. He lives in the same town here as, as we do. Mm. Um, in Pinheiros with Albertinho, I'm always uh, interacting with those guys. Mm -hmm. not, as a, not as specific as a mentor for any of them, but uh, off and on, uh, they're more friends with my son, so they hang out. I don't know if that's kind, yeah. Of, yeah. That's kind of like a difficult situation where, you know, I can... To have a relationship uh, with, with the with the kids a little mm, yeah. as a mentor side, but I think uh, I think uh, off and on I, I'm together with them in passing a good message and trying to to motivate them. And if if they're not on one on one basis or with the opportunities that we have in person, I put a lot of a lot of content out there and a lot of things yeah. that inspire people and yeah. maybe there's some impact there. All right, last thing, man. Everybody loves a good workout, and, I, and I'm sure you've done some great workouts in your time. Give me a workout that you can remember, maybe a memorable set that you did maybe at Michigan or somewhere else, something that stands out uh, as something that was very memorable for you. What do you have? What do you have? <laughs> I have this in my table because, yeah, look, look at this. Oh, wow, man. Look, I'll pay for that. How much do you want to sell that for? Olympic Games, <laughs> 94. I put Olympia Games 95, 96 because the cycle started that's the, here. That's the training. So, so, so this is everything that I did from day one was mm. 25 weeks of training, mm. 25 weeks from January 30th to, um, well, July, whatever there was the Olympics. At Michigan? So no, this, uh, I was at Greg, Greg Troy in 96. Oh, I okay. was called Troy. Okay. So let, let's do this. <laughs> Any one of those is a winner. Let's <laughs> <laughs> here. Uh, man, if you look at this, this workout, it's unbelievable. Well, let's see. <laughs> look, look at this. All right. That's, that's a 7.4K. Oh, God. Here we uh, go. Okay. Do you want details? Yeah, give me, give me some have? details, man. Give me a little detail. Oh, this is a Just week. Give, give me the main set. What was the main set? Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna, let me give you the week that it is. Where is the hell, man? Week. Uh, give me a second. Week 12. Okay. This is April 20th, week 12, which means 12, you can do a whole thing. The main set was a 600 uh, easy fast. Uh, no, six 100s. Oh, I, have to, I have to try to understand this. 600 easy fast by 50s. Oh, by 100, sorry. So one easy, one fast. Okay. And Greg Troy, he had like two speeds, easy and fast. So it's like, how fast? No, no, just fast. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, and the interval was like, I don't know, 30 seconds each. And then 200 broken, 450s broken. So best, uh, best average. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That's kind of, so it's like a 800 set three times. Oh. So easy, fast. Imagine for, for sprinters, when you say fast, the other day I was like, hey, can I get this? like a fast swim. Uh, 350s fast. Do you know what fast is? Fast is like when you hold ass, you just <laughs> go. When you go fast in this set like this, like 2000 yeah. set. <laughs> Come yeah, it's, on. It's not that fast. It's not that fast. But I think one of the, the hardest set that I did was with Coach Troy. He used to do a three times 850 short, eight, three times 850s short course. The first two on two minutes, the first two, the second two, 130, and then the, the next on 115, and the next on one minute. So it's like two, 130, 115, one minute. Okay. Holy mass. How fast is the first one? That's that fast that you want to see. So it's like a 20, uh, so we're going short course, like a 21 flat or 
20 high or whatever. Yeah. And then you go to the second one, like you're 21 high. And then the next one, 22 and then 23. And then like you're trying to hold 24 from a, all from a dive. Oh, wow. Oh. All with an eight minute swim down in between sets. And that's a said, hard set. You said three rounds? Three rounds. That's, okay. Yeah, that's tough. That's not, that's not first. That's, no, that's, I don't know. I actually think he still does that today. I think, I think I've heard Caleb Dressel talking about that sets. As oh, well. yeah? Yeah, I think no. he's still doing it. Good, so. thing, good things you got to replicate. I've done yeah. some good. Uh, I think there's a set that he gave also. There was, uh, I, think he, I think Ian Thorpe used to do that. Like, it's like 30, 30, 50s on 130, 200 pace. Yep, yep. Thorpe Have you ever heard of this set? Yeah, Thorpe told me about that, yeah. Mm-hmm. He did? I did that in this Olympic uh, cycle. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't, but I, well, no, this Olympic cycle? And it's basically, you have to hold back end speed, right? No, this was, no, this was later. We didn't do, we didn't, this was after Thorpe was around. Maybe it was like 98, 99. 98, yeah. That was later. Because 96, I don't think young Thorpe was even born yet. <laughs> he, he was a small child. <laughs> yeah, but that's a, that's a tough set. How about you? Give me, give me one of those. Give me one of yours. Give me a set. Uh, listen, it's just, it's just speed sets, you know. If you're my coach and you heard Popov, Say what he said. And it was like, man, okay, what would you do? <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that was an interesting... John, John, John and Greg is going to be watching this. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I trained with Popoff a little bit, and I thought, I thought he just did too much yardage, you know? And so what I do with my sprint is what I do with, uh, with, with Caesar, with Bruno, with Marcelo. We, we train specifically to swim as fast as we possibly can. And that's kind of what you're talking about. When they talk about speed, when they talk about swim fast, well, what, what's fast? For us in the 50 freestyle, fast is 21-0. That's fast. So how do we train to swim 21-0? I want to, I want to swim as specifically as I possibly can. And I want to try and do that multiple times. That's kind of what you're doing. You're, you're swimming basically you know, 200 pace, for that set that Greg gave you, those 850s um, three times, averaging out probably 200 pace. What I want to do is I want to shorten the distance and I want to average that out over 50 pace. So I want to swim as fast as I possibly can for a short distance, but I want to do it for an extended period of time, just like you're doing with Greg. So it's the same principles, but mm-hmm. we're just changing the, the specificity into what we're actually trying to do. So a good uh, pace for to train for a fit will be doing thirty-five meters, for example. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I do. I do a set because I do it's a hard to get. Yeah. Yeah, I do a set from the block where you dive. You do a you do a thirty-five, a twenty-five, and a fifteen, and you might do four rounds of that. You know, so you're 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 shortening the distance, but you're but you're doing four rounds of it as well. So thirty-five, twenty-five, fifteen, thirty-five, twenty-five, fifteen, four rounds, and and just trying to hit the specific pace mm-hmm. that you want to hit. You know. Um, and me doing the 7K, 8K training, 70, 70K a week. <laughs> it, was, it was good for That's your 200 in, in, in Atlanta. It was good for that. But <laughs> oh, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if it helped your 50 in Rio in 95, mm. you know, when we... No, 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 no. Def- <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, listen, Gustavo Borges, man, it's been very fun. I uh, appreciate your time. You're a living legend in Brazil. Um, you've, you've always been somebody that I admired greatly and look up to. And you're, uh, you're a good man. I appreciate you coming yeah. on the podcast. Thank you, Brad. And uh, I think uh, the, I, was, I was trying to think how many times that we swam together. And I don't remember that many times that we've been together in the same pool because the 50 was, uh, was always a little bit off. I don't remember, you know. Yeah. It's an event that I enjoyed. I liked it. But when I started getting my ass kicked, I kind of like lost track of it a little bit, yeah. which is okay. <laughs> but I remember uh, racing you in 98. 98, I must say. I think Coach Troy had just left... Uh, bowls to Florida and we went to Auburn for training for a few training for a swimming and I was like well this is going to be an easy trip and then I, we get there and I hear about you I, I didn't I don't remember like I, I, of course we were together in some yeah. finals of 95 sure, and everything sure. and then I remember you just being uh, on the post like I own this place and I don't know if you're focused to be me or something and I was like, man, you know, I was so tired, you know, training so hard. And I knew you guys at Auburn did a little bit less, I know. And then I was, <laughs> sure. and then I was like, you know, doing those, those weeks of just like, how am I going to beat this guy? And then we went to the race. 
And I don't remember what happened there, but I think you kicked my ass like big time. And I was just like, what the hell, man? It's just like nothing worked. And you was just like, I, I think we went like a 51.5 and I went a 51.8. And, and that, that's funny because the next, I think the next three days we stayed there and I saw a little bit of the kind of work that Marsh was doing. And it was just like, you know, racing a pure sprinter, which that was what you were doing and me like a 200 going into a race. And that was a, that, that's the, 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 I remember that day, like racing you in 98 in Auburn more than I remember in 95 time fourth with you and Rio. It's mm. kind of crazy, isn't it? Oh, that's crazy because I remember tying with you more than I do remember kicking your butt in 98. So I'm glad I beat you sometime. I thought I'd never beat you. So that's, that's nice so, to know. I beat so, you once. So, so let's do this. Let's go back to the results that maybe I beat you that day. No, 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 no. I, 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 there's no way you beat me. That was my pool, man. You don't come into my pool and beat me. I know. I was kind of upset. It's like, who is this guy think that this is his pool? I, like, yeah, I, think, I think he does. You got to mark your territory, man. That's it. You know, he come down to Brazil. That's your pool, sir. Yeah, that's what Pop-Up said. He came here, he lost to me. He's like, man, this <laughs> yeah. is yours. Exactly. That's yours. Uh, listen, man, it's been a pleasure. All right. Take care. And uh, we'll talk to you again. All right. Great. Thanks, Brad. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah, Bye.